We're in the Epicenter series, and I remember when Pastor Jim first started talking about, hey, we're going to do the series about Christ being the center, and I think I want to call it Epicenter. I thought, that's, that's a cool name. I was really excited about the creative possibilities that come along with that name. And so as we have been doing, we kind of have this understanding that it's, it's a common phrase that you say the epicenter is, is kind of the middle of where something happens. But I also immediately thought, you know, that reminds me of an earthquake because that's, that's the name that you hear of, you know, on the news and they talk about the epicenter. So it wasn't until probably this past week when I started studying for the message today that I really started digging into that whole earthquake side of thing and, and epicenter side of things. We're going to go to a slide in just a second, but I want to read the definition. I just went to look it up. I said, let me see what, you know, Webster has to say about this word. And then how would God want to stir our imaginations to think about how this connects and how we can apply it to our lives. So the definition here is the point on the earth's surface vertically above the focus of an earthquake. Now, previously, I thought epicenter was, was on top where like all the crazy stuff started happening and it went out from there. But then the other part of this definition is the central point of something typically, now get this, a difficult or unpleasant situation. And I thought, that'll preach. And that's what we need to look at. And that's what you want to talk to us about today. So throw up this graphic for me here that says, anatomy of an earthquake. I found some cool versions of this online, but you know when you, you look for the large image and then you go look at it and it's kind of grainy and pixely. So I recreated this. I want you to know I go to great lengths to bring colorful presentation visual aids for you. And uh, so um, you see here these two big blocks kind of of earth with the mountain and the thing and the, and the buildings and stuff on that. And so look at where it says the epicenter is. And I put our logo, our, our Jesus epicenter there. It says the point of the surface of the earth directly above the focus. But look at what's below. The hippo center. And that's called the focus. And the, that, that's the point within the earth where an earthquake rupture starts. And of course, we have the seismic waves, the, the, the shaking and the moving that goes out as a result of that. And so I didn't rename this diagram, but I think as we look at it, we can start going, wow, this, I think I can see how this might apply to us. And, but let me help you along there. I think if we look at that, one of the big plates or rocks of earth as the word of God, it's the, the eternal unmovable truth of what God says about us, who he is, what he wants us to know. That is one of them. And then the other one that is grating up against that, that's us. That's our will. That's our flesh. That's our mind, our will, our emotions that come up against the resistance of God's word that's not changing. And so there's a disturbance. There's a shaking. There's a reaction that goes on. We're made uncomfortable. It's a little unpleasant. It's a little difficult. And so I think it's amazing to think about that. When our focus changes, the result at the epicenter is going to be Jesus or whatever else. So here's the main thing I want you to grab today. Understand this. If we want Jesus next, the next thing he wants from us, he's going to disrupt our now. If you want to move on to Jesus next as we follow him, there's going to be a dis disruption in our present 
moment, our present comfortable moment. So let's look to the Word of God for an account, a story. It's a true account. And there's several similar stories. Sometimes we're not sure if they're different accounts or if it's just told through the lens of one of the... uh, the gospel writers in a different way and sometimes there's different elements but this is the one I wanted us to look at for today and I want us to to find ourselves in this story and see how how Jesus is causing a disruption as a result of asking us to follow him so it's in Luke chapter 8 verse 22 I like this new hipster cup they have for us instead of the uh, clear plastic water bottle. Isn't that nice? See, I could put coffee in that too, Pastor Jim. Wouldn't that be cool? Keep it hot. He's like, amen, brother. Now, in one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? I love this account. And I love that the Gospels in particular and then some of the narratives in Acts give us this story. Story grabs our imaginations and we find ourselves relating to the story. Am I in this? What does this mean? How can I apply this to my life? I love story and I love story time. Story time is my favorite time of the day with my daughter. Many of you that know me know I have a 10-year-old daughter. Now, the present status of story time with dad in our household is they have to be completely made up. Now, that's a lot of pressure because, you know, I'm a creative guy, but sometimes I'm just out. My tank, my story tank's just empty. And I'll lay her down at night and, and, and I just know the question's coming. What's the story tonight, Dad? And so we make up characters and plants and animals talk and aliens come and invade and it's just, it's that rich imagination. And I believe God created us that way to, to, to want to hear stories and to remember stories and pass them along so that we can have a richer understanding of what he's trying to tell us. And so if you will allow me today, I want to share with you one of our favorite stories from when she was younger and we were still reading the books and it wasn't the pressure on me to make up the story every night. But the, the original book was If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. How many of you read this to your kids or, or any of the versions of these? There's If You Give a Moose a Muffin. This one's If You Give a Pig a Party. And they're, they're so great. And so this is a story. It's a secular story. It's not scripture. But sometimes God uses something we can relate to in our lives to boomerang us back to understand what he's trying to tell us. And I felt like if, if there's ever a story that will help us get the message today, it was this one. So with your permission, I'd like to read through this story. And the pictures will be 
available for you. Would you let me do that? Could I read you if you give a pig a party today? All right. Get excited. This is going to be... Hey, we're all just big kids anyway, right? Don't ever grow up. Don't ever grow up. So here we go. If you give a pig a party, she's going to ask for some balloons. When you give her the balloons, she'll want to decorate the house. And when she's finished, she'll put on her favorite dress. Then she'll call all her friends to invite them to the party. Her friends won't be home, so you'll go with her to look for them. On the way, she'll see a street fair. She'll want you to take her on the bumper cars. All her friends will be there. Then you'll have to take her on all the rides. She'll want to play all the games too. Of course, who wouldn't? When she's done, she'll ask you for some ice cream. When she's finished eating the ice cream, she'll need to change her clothes. You'll have to take her home. She'll ask her friends to come along. On the way, she'll start a game of hide-and-seek. Let's pause on this, this page. This was my favorite page because we always went through and found where all her friends were. Can you see where her friends are hiding on this page? They're very well camouflaged. Maybe you can go back to the replay on the live stream and find out where all her animals' friends are playing. But she made me stop every time and we'd have to point every one of them out. There's the mouse, Daddy. There's the bunny. There's the fox. There's the pig. So moving on. So when you finally get home, you'll have to make dinner. Then she'll want to have a sleepover. You'll have to find pajamas. Oh, my word. And blankets and pillows for everyone. When she sees the pillows, she'll probably start a pillow fight. The illustrations are so great. Then she'll make a fortress out of blankets. Of course, when she's finished, she'll want to decorate it. So she'll ask for some balloons. Does anyone know where we're headed at this point? Can you predict? And chances are, if you give her some balloons... She's going to ask you for a party. And we're back where we started. And so it goes round and round and round and round. Can I ask you a question? Does anyone feel like your life is like that book? Come on, let's be honest. How many parents, parents on the, on the, on the live stream on our online campus, do you feel like this is your life with your children? What's next? What's next? The next attention span. And these are these disruptions that lead us from one place to the next. We feel like we're settled in one spot and then, oh, but we want to move on to the other. We need something else. Parenting is much like that. Relationships are much like that. How many of you have friends that you're constantly just going to their next idea, their next business launch, their next, their next relationship? You know, I want to pause here and say it's not all bad that we pursue things in these ways. Only when it's toxic and controlling and unhealthy is, is where you need to say time out. And so, I think if we're honest, we can all relate. We've both been the pig, the needy pig, the needy mouse, the needy moose. And we've been the person who seems to be pursuing the pig, the mouse, the moose. Chasing them 
helping fulfill what's next for them. But I have a question for you. Because you know this is a message about the Word of God. And I just read from the Gospels the story about the ship. You might be wondering, well, where is he going? Where is Jesus in this story? And I think maybe Jesus is not who you think he is in this story. Maybe so many of us are used to being the pig. And Jesus is the chaser. And he's going to come after us. And he's going to find where we're at. And he's going to... He's going to answer that, that desire and then when we say, well, Lord, but what about this? And then he's rushing off to, to fix our next thing and to intervene in our next emergency. But I got to ask you a question about our scriptural context. Who was following who when the disciples got into the boat? Was Jesus pursuing the disciples on their agenda that day? Did he go, Peter, what's on your to-do list, bro? I mean, let's just do it. Let's find out what's on your itinerary. No, he said, let us go to the other side. And when he first came upon the disciples, when he first launched his ministry, what did he say? Follow me. Follow me. So today's kind of a reorientating and 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 a refresher of are we really following him? Because if we decide to follow him, I think all the things that we think we want and the things that we think we need just might be addressed on that journey of pursuing him. So here's the question, and it's the question the book poses. My daughter now watched the the animated version of these books, and they're great, Um, and they always ask this question. If you give a mouse a cookie, what do you think will happen next? And it's pretty unexpected. You know it's going to be the next. So I want to ask you today, if you give your life to Jesus, what do you think will happen next? If you truly give your life to Jesus. And I have some thoughts about that. Are you ready for these? (laughs) I think he's going to be a major disruption in your life. I think you're going to experience some waves some storms, some shaking, and some shifting. Can I be honest with you, though? I'd rather be in a boat on a lake in a storm with Jesus than in a fortress on a hill without him. Because, truth be told, Jesus just might give you the mansion on the hill. But then again, you just might miss his mission. And... He just might let you make a mess. But if we give our life to Jesus and we don't say, Jesus, follow me, then we get to live this daring, bold adventure moving from faith challenge to faith challenge with miracles in between. You're like Pastor James. Oh, I don't want another faith challenge. I'm in the middle of 20 of them right now. What's the alternative? The disciples said it. Only you have the words of life. What are we going to quit to? What are we going to leave? If you're going to go through something, you might as well go through it for his sake, for his name, for his glory, to pursue him, right? 
See, the stormy seas, they're just brief setbacks on a very miraculous journey. I hope you know that your life is a miraculous journey and he's called you into this daring, bold adventure. And Jesus is asking us today the same thing that he asked the disciples. When on that trip across the water, he was totally cool with, we're, we're going to get there. And they had lost sight. Their faith began to be in the boat. Their own understanding. Their own plan for the day. And he said, where is your faith? And God's asking us today, where is your faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith has nothing to do whatsoever with what we see. And as we lead the people of this church, as we pastor people, our biggest struggle, and we have the same struggle, is to say, don't make a decision on what you see. Stop reacting and responding to what you think is happening because faith says I'm going through to what God sees. Faith takes his vision from the word of God and says I'm going to move in that direction. Trust me, I know it's hard. It's hard to feel like, well, I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing nothing. God doesn't need our help. It's a tough lesson to learn. He wants our faith, and he wants our consistent, persistent, diligent seeking of him. That he can reward. So I like the words from this scripture in the NASB that says, it's assurance and a conviction. I like that. I know y'all are convicted about stuff. I read your Facebook pages all the time. You like that, didn't you? Faith will keep Jesus as the center of our disruption because we're totally convicted and totally assured, get this, that the bread and fish multiplying the demon-delivering, Lazarus-raising Jesus is worth pursuing into the unseen. See, the alternative to that is just inviting him into our reality, which isn't a very good one. Sometimes it's a faith, faithless, godless reality. We want to pursue him into his. So, I like to always ask this question, so what if, what does it look like when we respond to this? I think the world is a different place when we move from being the disruption of our own center and chasing after our stuff, and together, you and I, you watching at home and I, we turn, we all turn, and we start following Jesus. And we know he's gonna be a disruption, and we know it's not gonna be what we expect but we're all in this together. And if we decide that, if we begin to follow Jesus, what do you think will happen next? I have some practical thoughts of what that looks like. I think we respond by digging deep into the word of God as our roadmap for what's next. Because you can't just have an idea of Jesus. You can't just make up your own Jesus. You have to get who Jesus is and where he wants you to go from the eternal truth of God's word. 
the primary source, the eternal word of God forever settled in heaven, that unmovable part of the earth that's going to cause a shaking and a challenging and a shifting of our focus to go where he needs to go. And when we do that, it's not enough just to say, yes, I love the word of God. I've memorized Genesis through Revelation. But then can we live out the truth of God's word in a way that says our faith has corresponding action? Because faith without action is a dead faith. It's a lifeless faith. But an active faith obeys even when it seems absurd. If it's doable, it's not faith. If you've got it all figured out, it's not faith. God's so much bigger. He wants so much more for you. And he wants so much more from you. Some of the most encouraging moments in my life as a leader have come when someone later down the road came to me and said, thank you for expecting more of me than I thought I could ever give of myself. Thank you for somehow believing that there was more and, and challenging me and charging me to move to that place. I'm better off because of it. And so I say that to you. I say that to you at home. God wants more from you. And he's going to give you the grace and his presence is in your life to help you and to partner with you to do what he's calling to you to do, even though you don't think you can do it. And that was a prophetic word for this moment, not in my notes. I want you to understand that. So there's powerful revelation of what God wants for you right now. So maybe, just maybe, and here's a phrase I think that we should apply, the disruption of Jesus as a faith step in your life. The disruption of Jesus. See, we get disrupted when we move from our comfortable to his. We're not going to experience who he is to the fullest unless we take that step. So maybe, here's a couple possibilities. Maybe it is for you that you take what little you have of your material possessions or finances and give some of that to someone in need so that Jesus might multiply your gift and feed 5,000 with an abundance left over. See, it isn't our greatness that we bring to him. It's what little we have. And just like that day that he took the bread and the fish from the boys' lunch and multiplied it, the word of God made it have enough. See, God does amazing things when we have nothing to bring. Maybe the disruption of Jesus as a faith step in your life could bring deliverance from demonic oppression in the life of your neighbor. And maybe that just starts with you crossing a sea of your own storms, your own inconveniences, just to be a listening ear, to be a helping hand. And listen, a voice of reason during a time of such great political polarization and division. Maybe your neighbor doesn't need your opinion. Maybe they need your heart. And maybe it's our opinions that are keeping them from knowing the true Jesus and following Jesus. Just maybe. Maybe the disruption of Jesus as a faith step in your life is a ceasing of all your activity and taking a time to fast and pray and reevaluate your priorities. I'm going to ask you to seriously consider that and ask him what he needs from you instead of telling him what you need from him.
And again, the beautiful thing there is, putting all my plans on hold, Lord, what do you need from me? Then he's calling you out on that daring, bold adventure that's going to fulfill you beyond your wildest dreams and imaginations. Don't fulfill yourself. Be fulfilled in the pursuit of him and his plan. So if you really want to know what it looks like to have Jesus at the center, the epicenter, it all starts with our point of focus. It happens as our heart responds to the friction caused by the truth of God's word as it collides with the will of our hearts. And so would we say this, church, would we say this, your way, Jesus, I will follow you, then everything that doesn't belong will be shaken away. And we can move from disruption to disruption, from faith to faith as we follow him. There truly is no safer place to be in a storm than on the mission of Jesus. On his path, on his journey, as he takes us to the next place of the miraculous manifestation of the gospel in the earth today. And look, I say bring on the storms. Bring on the adversity because I know that that is a temporary obstacle to what God wants for me. And this isn't just a, a nice saying to have on your fridge, but take this as truth today that you could count on. We may not know what tomorrow holds, but we can know who holds tomorrow. If we will follow Jesus, if we will know the truth, the life, and the way. Let me pray with you this morning. Lord, today we hear your voice calling us to the unknown to go with you to the other side. And we surrender our hearts again like it was the very first time because you know us, Lord, and you called us by your name. You want us to become fishermen and women for your kingdom. So we repent today of going our way, making you chase us around, and we turn again to follow you. For only you, Jesus, have the words of life. Only you have a plan for our life. So today, be our leader. Be Lord Jesus Christ over us personally, over our families, over our region, and over this nation today. In Jesus' name, amen.